Happy Wednesday, everyone, and welcome back to the Get Your Goat podcast. Quite a bit of football uh, to talk about today. The Rams, I believe, made a significant trade that might not seem so significant, but I think is really going to help them in the long run. This helped them a lot. Matthew Stafford, cover story on ESPN. The Jacksonville Jaguars and the uh, New Orleans Saints preseason game on Monday night. Learned a lot from both teams and maybe possibly who could be starting for the New Orleans Saints. Then the NFL experts uh, put out a ranking of quarterbacks based on 12 skills. I am going to get into that and see which skills I agree with or not in the hierarchy for the 10 quarterbacks for each one of those skills. Then I'll finish up discussing a little bit of miscellaneous news from the NBA and MLB. So let's get right into it, uh, starting with the trade that the Los Angeles Rams made this morning, and that is they traded a conditional fifth round and sixth round pick to the New England Patriots for running back Sony Michelle. I love this trade for the uh, Rams. Immediate grade is an A, A plus. For the Patriots, my immediate is a B, B minus. Why? They spent a first round pick on Sony Michelle. So then to just get a fifth and sixth round pick, uh, is not necessarily good. You bought really high on Sony Michelle and you're selling really, really low. That is not what you want to do for a first round pick acquired. But I see why the Patriots uh, did it because they have a ton of running back talent. They have a loaded backfield with Ramondre Stevenson, who's been tearing it up uh, so far. They have J.J. Taylor. They have uh, James White as well and uh, uh, Damian Harris too. So they have a surplus of running backs, a ton of them that they'll use by committee. One of them gets hot to me. It looks like Ramondre Stevenson so far as a guy, but they have James White who capped off that Super Bowl comeback against the uh, Falcons. So I think they'll be good there uh, for running back. Again, it's just the since having a first-round pick and then trading him for two very low picks. But what are the Rams getting in this deal? Why do I love this deal so much? Well, I love it uh, because they're running back for the season. Cam Akers uh, tore his Achilles in training camp or before training camp. So he was going to be the starter. So they had uh, Daryl Henderson and Xavier Jones and not a lot of high-quality guys. They got a few looks in the preseason and training camp. And Sean McVay in the staff obviously did not like what they saw. So they went out and got a Sony Michelle, who I think fits this system very much. They can get very creative with him in the backfield, whether it's run north and south or a little bit of uh, east-west in movement. He's not making a ton of money. Final year of his salary, 1.79 uh, this season. So I like it. And he's also a very productive running back. 
in 2018, rushed for 930 yards, almost clipped 1,000 yards, and he only appeared in 13 games and only started eight and almost hit the 1,000-yard rushing mark uh, with six touchdowns. And then in the passing game as well, he added a 50 yards. Then you go to the following year, 2019, around the same uh, production, this time appeared in all 16 games, and had just short of 1,000 yards, added an extra touchdown, was used a little bit more in the passing game. Uh, then last year, you know, in nine games, he rushed for 449 yards, so he was on pace uh, to be at that 900-yard total again, but then he... Uh, had a quadriceps injury that shut him down the rest of the season. But to me, he's a very efficient back and someone that Sean McVay has actually seen before in the Super Bowl. In that postseason run, Sony Michelle was great. 336 yards in three games, uh, six touchdowns as well in three games. Uh, this dude was at 112 yards rushing per game. Sean McVay then saw in the Super Bowl uh, when he rushed for around 94 yards in that Super Bowl victory. 18 carries was the lead back from Georgia. And I think, again, he'll fit well with this system. And when I just look at the hierarchy of this NFC uh, you know, before Cam Akers went down, you know, I had it, had it pegged as the Rams and Bucks. Cam Akers went down, and I said, with the limited rushing game, if it's all on Stafford and this defense who's going to take a step back, then, you know, I think Aaron Rodgers and the Packers uh, will win that matchup, and it'll probably be a reset of last year's NFC Championship game. However, now with this Rams trade with Sony Michelle. This elevates them back uh, to where they are, you know, again to me now, the favorites to win the NFC West, where it was a little shady before. They are now the favorites uh, to win the NFC West. Uh, and I think, you know, they would very much challenge the uh, Packers for a spot in the NFC Championship game, because in my head, the one seed is Tampa Bay. Uh, two or three is the Packers and Rams interchangeably. Two would probably be the Packers because of their division and strength of schedule compared uh, to the Rams. But that's how uh, that hierarchy goes in my mind. And having Michelle a running game definitely helps. Helps ease the pressure off of Matthew Stafford. Uh, gets the play action going, which also, again, Matthew Stafford thrives on. So I think this is a home run hit for the uh, Los Angeles Lambs. I absolutely love the trade that they made. But that isn't the only news with the Rams. New cover story featuring Matthew Stafford. Talked about his team and a little snippet of him and some videos as well that they shot. And what I saw in this story and the videos... I know this isn't, you know, tampering by the NFL rules, but if this isn't tampering, then I don't know what is at this point. I know it doesn't qualify in the rules as tampering because it wasn't within the window, but I don't know if this was staged or what happened uh, because Matthew Stafford, after the football season, 
was over in Detroit. Uh, him and his wife, his family vacationed uh, to Cabo. And who was there in Cabo? In Cabo? Well, Andrew Whitworth was there. Left tackle for the Los Angeles Rams. Who else was there? Well, head coach Sean McVay for the uh, head coach of the Los Angeles Rams. Now I know, you know, Sean McVay was there before, and they had a little discussion, but a lot more I think went on than was previously led on. I didn't know Andrew Whitworth was there, but Sean McVay was there, getting drinks, talking. Every night just talking about life, football. I mean, come on. Something had to slip uh, to where we know, you know, they went to ask for a trade. But for the Rams to be the perfect suitor right there after this kind of trip with Sean McVay and Andrew Whitworth, it just seems a bit much. Seems, you know, not just like a mere coincidence that this happened. So, very skeptical of this and how this all went down. I think it was more than just, you know, everybody made an offer on the table. It was a Rams. I think, you know, a little of this was all staged from the beginning. So now because of this and this story that went out, and now you see you know, if Matthew Stafford now is in the spotlight because he's in L.A., if he was still in Detroit, there would be no spotlight. But but he gets a bigger one since he's in L.A. Now it is up to him to deliver. Deliver the first-round picks that were traded for him, the younger quarterback that he was traded for, surrounded by good weapons in Robert Woods and Cooper Cup and Deshaun Jackson a decent offensive line. Now they've acquired Sony Michelle as well. Two of the best defensive players in the league and Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey to form a good defense. Everything is at Matthew Stafford's disposal to win. It is now up to him to prove that he was worth the cost because in Detroit, he was never under real scrutiny. Because he was on Detroit, you know, a sorry franchise that just sucks and will continue to suck and, you know, is not good and is just associated with losing all the time. Uh, so even when Matthew Stafford had great years, great numbers, he was in Detroit, everything was overlooked. But now we see a shift coming to a different market to L.A., to where it's Super Bowl aspirations. They don't have Super Bowl aspirations there in Detroit. You know, you think, yeah, it'd be nice to go to a Super Bowl. But in L.A., the Rams, a team a few, three years removed from a Super Bowl appearance, it is now time to get back uh, to the Super Bowl. The bets, the chips are all on Matthew Stafford to help deliver. Of course, Sean McVay is involved in a lot of this, who I think is a brilliant, talented, young offensive mind. Great coach to watch, gets fired up, but a lot of it is in Matthew Stafford because he is playing those games. He is surrounded by talent. It is now on him. I think he can deliver, but the pressure is now 
enormous when he went to having no pressure at all in Detroit. You know, there's really no pressure, you know, to, you know, to win. I mean, because it's the Detroit Lions. But in L.A. now, there is pressure uh, to win. It's a different mentality in L.A. than it is in Detroit. I wish Matthew Stafford nothing but the best. I hope he wins a Super Bowl because uh, he deserves it. He's a great guy, great talent, great arm, and I think he can get it done. But that is very telling. I encourage everyone to check out that cover story on how he became a Ram. Now, going back to the Monday night preseason game between the Jacksonville Jaguars and the New Orleans Saints. What did I see from both teams? Well, first off, you saw Travis Etienne break his foot, and that was just devastating news uh, for this Rams team. Or, I mean, for this Jaguars team. Uh, this is definitely not what they wanted uh, at all to happen uh, to a guy who they spent, you know, their first-round pick on. Uh, but now they were, you know, at least they have James Robinson, who was very good last year uh, for this team. But they were planning on using Travis Etienne not only in the backfield, but a little bit in a receiving game. Close friend of Trevor Lawrence. So that definitely hurts this team. What else did we see? Well, Jameis Winston, I thought, played fantastic. Had a couple, you know, just great passes uh, to Marquez Callaway, another one to Humphrey in Washington. So he made some big plays uh, for this team. The plays it, I bet, uh Bruce Arians wish he would made him a regular season, but again, this is a preseason matchup. Jameis Winston went 9 of 10, 123 yards, two touchdowns, with a pass rating of 157, almost perfect on the night. Taysom Hill, I thought, was great as well, 11 of 20, 138 yards. Uh, but the one thing, to me, is the main difference between Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston is that Jameis Winston is a true quarterback. Taysom Hill isn't. You know, he's that, you know, put me all over the place uh, type of guy, that Swiss Army knife, tight end quarterback. And I still think he can play that role, and he'll play that role very well with this team. And I think he can get used more in that role uh, with Jameis Winston because with Drew Brees, you really don't want to take Drew Brees out of the game. He's just... He's a Hall of Famer, great quarterback, Super Bowl champion. That's not a guy, you know, you just want to swap out at will. Whereas with Jameis Winston, I think you can do that. I think there will be times he'll be very hot like he was in this preseason game and has spurts of that during the regular season. But I also think there will be spurts where, you know, it's time to sit him. You know, we have Taysom Hill. We can do this. The only thing you just don't want to create any more controversy there with quarterback. You've already got one with Michael Thomas, but I really do think Jameis Winston should be the starting quarterback. He has the experience there. Then with the Jaguars, uh, we saw Trevor Lawrence, 14 of 2313 yards, look a little better uh, as well. Uh, Gardner Minshew, 
to me, didn't really look great through an interception to 141 yards. C.J. Beathard, the third string, almost led the comeback, uh, had two touchdowns. But Trevor Lawrence, you know, got hit again. Uh, to me, this doesn't look like it will end well this season for him. He was named the starter uh, today for Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer says that he has earned the starting role, but I just have a couple problems with it. Not that he's named the starter, because I think, uh, you know, you're the number one pick. That's why you got him. But watching this preseason team play and just what is wrong with them, the offensive line has a lot of issues. Uh, he's going to get hit a ton. This is reminding me very similar and eerie to Joe Burrow last year with the Bengals and that poor offensive line and ultimately what ultimately what happened to him and his ACL. Uh, so that is one concern I have for Trevor Lawrence right away is his health. Uh, doesn't have great receivers either. Lost Travis Etienne. Uh, I think doom is going to be spelled around this uh, season. 4V, Jacksonville, Jaguars. Very worried about Trevor Lawrence as a starting quarterback. And not only that, uh, but, you know, he's used to winning his whole life. Won a ton in college and, and in high school. Now he's coming to an environment where... Uh, Brian Greasy said this on ESPN that, you know, he's surrounded by lesser talent, both him and Urban Meyer, where they're not going to be favored in a ton of matchups, where they have all the best players. They really don't have good players. This is going to be such a shock, and I'm pretty, pretty sure it's already been a shock for Trevor Lawrence, but how difficult this season will be for Trevor Lawrence and Urban Meyer is going to be very telling I think, of seasons to come to see if they can deal with adversity through 17 games uh, or not. But I think this will be a very long year for Jacksonville and Jacksonville Jaguar fans. The Broncos have also chosen their starting quarterback. They named Teddy Bridgewater over Drew Locke and... I'm fine with this. I think, you know, the Broncos are a quarterback away from making the playoffs. Uh, but to me, it's not going to be with Teddy Bridgewater or Drew Locke. Drew Locke with the Broncos, 8-10. and 10, uh, Most interceptions in the NFL last season. Uh, among the league's worst in completion percentage. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater doesn't have a great record either. 4-11 and 11 last year for the Panthers. Had a higher completion percentage to me. You can trust him a little bit more than Drew Locke, but again, Drew Locke's the guy you picked in the draft to try to be that guy. Now he isn't. Teddy, to me, is in his name, last name Bridgewater. He's a bridge quarterback, uh, either for a younger guy or for a newer guy. He's not a long-term solution anyways. And then, lastly as well, the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to start Dwayne Haskins on Friday uh, to really try to solidify a preseason spot behind Big Ben and really see who is the number two quarterback on this team. Is it Mason Rudolph? Is it Dwayne Haskins? To me, that is very interesting to see if they keep one or the other or not. 
but we'll learn a lot in that preseason game is probably, I say, both just play their guts out. Now, uh, getting to the uh, quarterback skills where they were ranking the top 10 for each skill. This was done by NFL analysts uh, to rank, you know, the top 10 quarterbacks going into season and the to this season uh, based on uh, different metrics. Now, the first one was arm strength, uh, all about the biggest arms, pass velocity, how far they can get the ball downfield. Uh, one to 10, one Patrick Mahomes, totally fine with two Josh Allen, agree, big arm. Three, Aaron Rodgers, big arm. Four, Matthew Stafford, agree. Five, Russell Wilson, really like that top five. Six, Justin Herbert, again, tremendous display of that last year in his rookie season. Deshaun Watson at seven. Ryan Tannehill at eight. Kyler Murray, nine, ten. Baker Mayfield. I probably just have a problem with the last few. And I believe Baker Mayfield should be higher than Kyler Murray. And Ryan Tannehill, to me, Baker Mayfield made some incredible throws Last year, especially long throws down the field, uh, I know Kyler made that Hail Mary, um, which is now blown out of proportion because to me it wasn't the throw, it was more of the catch by DeAndre Hopkins. But Baker Mayfield, to me, has better just arm power in general and arm strength as well than Kyler Murray, than Ryan Tannehill. So that's something I would personally put Baker ahead of those guys. Also saying Tom Brady omitted from this list. To me, he should be in every skill because he still has the strength. We saw that last year in SC Championship game, game against the Vikings as well, that he can sling the ball, you know, 40 to 50 yards as well and play with these younger quarterbacks. But to be a quarterback, you have to have big arm strength, and that is something uh, that we see with these quarterbacks. And just as a side point, we don't see Lamar Jackson in this list. That's just a carry-on from last week's podcast. Accuracy. Arm strength, they say, doesn't mean much if you can't perfectly put the ball where it needs to go. So I agree. Arm accuracy, who has the best? They put Aaron Rodgers at one, uh, two Tom Brady. Again, this is something I would switch uh, because, to me, Tom Brady, you know, is the most accurate quarterback I've ever seen in my life. That's why he is the GOAT we saw it last year in throws that he made uh, to Antonio Brown in tight windows. Uh, Aaron Rodgers you know, has the best route-running wide receiver in the league in Devontae Adams, so you, know, you can slip with a little accuracy and still have a completion percentage, uh, whereas Tom Brady has just done this season after season, Year after year, I like Wilson at three, Patrick Mahomes at four. I like because sometimes he can get a little careless and just throw it up there. Uh, Deshaun Watson, five. Kirk Cousins at six. I don't know if I fully agree with con artist Kirk being there. Uh, We saw Justin Jefferson really be upset with Kirk Cousins last year with some of his accuracy issues. Ryan Tannehill, seven. Dak Prescott, eight. Nine, Josh Allen, ten. Justin Herbert, uh, I'm fine with this list. Again, no Lamar Jackson on both arm strength and arm accuracy. Uh, but again, I am fine with this list. 
Now, what about touch? You know, how successful, you know, your trajectory needs to be with dropping it, you know, perfectly. Tied for first is Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady. Again, are tied for first. I agree with this. We see both of them, you know, Patrick Mahomes throws down the field to Tyreek Hill. Last year I saw that against the Chargers, especially one game that sticks out to my mind, is that one where I believe it was a 50-yard throw, just perfect, hit Tyreek Hill in stride. You couldn't have placed it much better. Tom Brady, again, the throw to Scotty Miller, burned Kevin King, but again, it was the throw that made it possible, the touch that he had, because if it was bad, it could have been intercepted. Kevin King could have recovered, or it would be thrown over. Scotty Miller, again, Tom Brady is very good at this. Russell Wilson at three again. I agree. We saw this uh, against the New England Patriots uh, where DK Metcalf was on Stephon Gilmore. And DK Metcalf made a brilliant catch, but the throw was even better. Uh, The way he perfectly placed it to DK and stride, that was done because of Russell Wilson and the touch that he put on that football. Four is Aaron Rodgers, five Dak Prescott, six Deshaun Watson, seven Matt Ryan, eight Justin Herbert and Kirk Cousins are tied there, and ten Derek Carr. Again, this is something you know I agree with down there as well. Maybe later I don't think I'd have Kirk Cousins there. I might have Matthew Stafford because, again, con artist Kirk doesn't make that many great throws to me. Now, mechanics is the next metric, and how many different throwing motions you have, the arm slot release, follow through, all that uh, footwork. One is Tom Brady. Of course, that makes the most sense because he just has a feel for the pocket like no other quarterback. He does. His throwing motion, again, is perfect. That's why he's won seven Super Bowls and has led the league before in passing yards and in touchdowns is because of his mechanics and the way he has adapted to stay in this league for 20 years and play at such a high level. That's what Tom Brady does. Two, Aaron Rodgers to me, another one with great mechanics. I am fine with him there at two. Again, he's another one that can move around, you know, in the pocket, just bounce from lineman to lineman again and then make the perfect throw down the field. Patrick Mahomes is another one who is also very technically sound as well. Russell Wilson again, Deshaun Watson rounding out that top five. Matt Ryan at six, tied for seven is Dak Prescott, Josh Allen. Nine, Matthew Stafford I like as well. And then tied for 10, Derek Carr and Justin Herbert. All guys I like and I think are great on that list. Next is field vision. Now this is the ability to read the field. Identify blitzers, break defensive backs, and hit your open targets. Being able to read defensive schemes and coverages, who has the best field vision, Again, number one on this list is Tom Brady. Again, nobody does this better. Nobody can just 
scan the field, you know, make the defense bite uh, with his eye motion, sending players, his audibles. That is what Tom Brady does. He dissects the defense before the ball is even snapped. That's what makes Tom Brady so good compared to any other quarterback. Because to me, Tom Brady bears one on this list. You have Aaron Rodgers. But the threshold between those is very, very big and very long. You have Tom Brady way up there. You don't have Aaron Rodgers, to me, in the realm of that, of what he does. He's in a tier below Tom Brady. Tom Brady is alone by himself in this ability to diagnose the defense and just surgically pick the defense apart. Again, Aaron Rodgers to me is two on his own level, but on a level below that of Tom Brady. Aaron Rodgers does this very well, not at the level of Tom Brady, but he's able to scan the field, uh, look at what's going on, draw teams offsides because of he identifying who is coming on a rush from either side, uh, switching up, you know, wherever running back is actually going to run. Is it designed to the right? Well, I'm just going to switch it to go to the left here as well. Then you can put people in tiers below this, you know, Patrick Mahomes at three, uh, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes even admitted after the Super Bowl, he has to do a better job of reading uh, defenses. And I agree that's kind of what's separating him, you know, from being on the next level is that. Then six, Dak Prescott, seven, Matthew Stafford, eight, Matt Ryan, nine, Derek Carr, and ten, Ben Roethlisberger. All people I am fine with. And again, so far, Josh or Lamar Jackson has not been on any of these lists. All right, now is decision-making with the football. Avoiding turnovers at all costs, taking unnecessary risks. One is Aaron Rodgers, and I agree uh, just because of his uh, touchdown-to-interception ratio is so low. 48 passing touchdowns, I think to four interceptions last year, a 1% interception rate. Uh, That is tremendous. You can't get much better than that. Aaron Rodgers just doesn't make, you know, really poor decisions. He doesn't force the ball anywhere to where it needs to go. And that's why you continually see low interception numbers uh, from him. His decision-making is great to just not turn the ball over at any cost. Two is Tom Brady, again, is another great uh, decision maker as well. Last year he had 13 interceptions, which to me is unusually high, uh, especially for a quarterback of his size or his, his talent in his arm. But he was getting used to a new offensive system. But other than that, uh, his decision making throughout his career has been great. He doesn't, you know, throw the pass. You know, in this offensive style that he's now in with Bruce Arians, you know, is the no-risk-it, no-biscuit philosophy. And, you know, Jameis Winston went a little too far, which is why he ended with 30 interceptions. Uh, Tom Brady's going to take more shots than he did with Bill Belichick. But if you convert on most of them, uh, you kind of trust Tom Brady to do it. Three is Russell Wilson. Again, another great decision maker sometimes to him maybe I do see you know a forced pass it shouldn't be there but he has the ability to kind of take off with his legs if he doesn't like what he sees down the field and the same goes for Patrick Mahomes who sits at number four is another one 
because he has such a cannon of an arm, he thinks he can get it into anywhere, which might cause an interception here or there, but still uh, he throws way more touchdowns than interceptions and has a low interception rate. Then Deshaun Watson at 5, 6, Ryan Tannehill, 7, Dak Prescott, 8, Derek Carr, 9, Justin Herbert, 10, Kyler Murray, all players I sort of agree with. Now is compete level. Your competitiveness and leadership. Again, Tom Brady is number one. He is the best at this. Of course, he's going to be the most competitive guy because who else wants to play football at 44 years old like him? That is the competitive nature in him. The man who says, my favorite Super Bowl is the next one. His leadership is by far the best in the NFL. Devin White, I believe, or Levante David on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense says his leadership impacts the defense as well, You know, which sometimes doesn't happen because this is an offensive player. But for an offensive player to spark the defense like Tom Brady does speaks volumes to this leadership and is backed by what the defense says about Tom Brady. So Tom Brady impacts the game in every way. So when people say that, you know what, uh, you know, he can only play, you know, affect one side of the ball and, you know, that's just offense. Well, that's really not true because his leadership sinks into that defense and what helps an assist make that defense so great as well. Tom Brady uh, helps take that to another, another level and that's why he's number one in this category. Number two, Patrick Mahomes, another one to me who just does not like to lose. Uh, he hates losing. That's why he wins um, so much and has that competitive fire in him and has, to me, really taken that leadership role where there's older guys in the locker room, Tyree Kill, uh, Travis Kelsey, uh, the Honey Badger, but Patrick Mahomes is the alpha dog in that locker room. He has command. Three, Aaron Rodgers. To me, I don't know if I put him at three uh, because, to me, this whole offseason has been questioned of his leadership and the ability uh, to do this and respect your other teammates and command. So I like Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he is very competitive. But if we're assessing both competitiveness and leadership with some of the other guys, I would probably uh, dock him on the list. Still have him at 10, but I don't know if I'd have him as high as number three. I'd definitely put Russell Wilson above him, uh, Josh Allen. Lamar Jackson at six, you know, I'll take a compete level for Lamar Jackson there at six, seven, Matthew Stafford, eight, Dak Prescott, nine, Ryan Tannehill, 10, Ryan Fitzpatrick. I might put Baker in there. I like to see Baker in there. To me, he is a very competitive uh, football player. Uh, to me, he's more competitive than Ryan Tannehill. Deshaun Watson as well as a very competitive football player. Kyler Murray. But again, that's a lot of talk, and can you back it up? Now it's toughness. Toughness is, you know, your bounce back, resilience, be able to take a hit, physicality. So one Josh Allen, we saw that last year. He just runs. Sometimes I don't even see him slide. He runs, takes the punishment into the end zone uh, because that's just who he is. Same with Russell Wilson. Takes a ton of hits every year 
but we see him get back up. This offensive line that's battered, I'd probably have Russell Wilson at number nine or number one and Josh Allen at two. Three, Lamar Jackson, and yes, he's tough, but he takes a lot of hits because he runs the football more and, you know, opens himself up for more punishment. Deshaun Watson at four is another one who gets hit a ton because of his poor offensive line, but gets back. I'd probably put him ahead of Lamar Jackson. Same with Patrick Mahomes. I'd put him ahead of Lamar Jackson. I put Matthew Stafford ahead of Lamar Jackson, too, sitting there at six. Matthew Stafford, again, has taken a brute force of hits there. Cam Newton, as well, is sitting at 10. But I wouldn't have Lamar Jackson until there. I'd say number eight. I put Dak Prescott ahead of him, too, and finish out with Rodgers and Brady because those are two guys that just don't get hit a lot compared to these other players. Then you have pocket presence is another one. And this refers to how a quarterback operates in the pocket, the ability to sense, avoid pressure, avoid pressure, uh, and remain calm under duress. One was Aaron Rodgers. Again, we see him shift in the pocket, do this to Tom Brady. Again, I would put Tom Brady here at number one. To me, his pocket presence is right up there. Uh, you know, when the it breaks down, you don't see him uh, force a ball to where it shouldn't. You know, it doesn't take off because his running ability is really not there. But Tom Brady uh, just looks so calm, cool, and collected in this offense that he has with the Bucks when it was with the Patriots. You saw him uh, have command in the pocket. That's what he does. Aaron Rodgers as well. Again, I like him at number two because when the pocket breaks down a little bit, you do see him kind of run a little outside, whereas Tom Brady uh, doesn't. He knows he's going to get it done you know, within those five offensive linemen. Three is Patrick Mahomes. Uh, four, Russell Wilson. Five, Josh Allen. Six, Deshaun Watson. All similar. When the pocket breaks down, they tend to escape the pocket. Uh, they still make great throws in outside of a pocket, but under the pocket, you know, their first reaction to me, you know, is to leave. Patrick Mahomes definitely to a lesser degree than the others. Seven, Lamar Jackson. I don't know why he's on this list. When I saw that, he, the ability to avoid pressure, I get it. But calmness under duress, under the pocket, something breaks down. And next thing you know, he's running. And he's not even looking to throw the football. I don't know how calm that is. And I definitely don't agree with that because these are definitely, you know, pocket passers that should have pocket presence. And Lamar Jackson is not a pocket passer. It's just not what he is. Take Dak Prescott over him, Matthew Stafford, even Kyler Murray, uh, Justin Herbert, uh, because to me, Lamar Jackson, uh, when things get rough in there, first instinct is to take off immediately. Scrambling. Oh, scrambling. The scripted play, you know, it sees open field and it just forces you to run. Of course, Lamar Jackson is number one on this list. And that's the only one I'll give him a number one for. Because as my brother says, you know, he's the best scrambling quarterback in the league. And I agree. That's all he does is scramble. Uh, that's what he does is have great runs to 
uh, not uh, pass the ball because he knows his running ability is more dangerous than his passing ability. So, you know, I'm totally good with him being number one. Don't see a problem. But then again, uh, if you have pocket presence and have a great arm, arm strength, and the other tools in the tool shed, then you no, won't need to resort uh, to this one either because you don't see Tom Brady on this list uh, because you won't be scrambling at that point. Two, Kyler Murray. Another one, especially in the preseason when it breaks down, he wants to run as well. Josh Allen scrambling is good. Four, Patrick Mahomes. Five, Russell Wilson. Six, Deshaun Watson. Seven, Aaron Rodgers. Eight, Dak Prescott. Nine, Ryan Tannehill. Ten, Daniel Jones. The only quarterback not on this list is Tom Brady. Now, designed run ability. Now, this are running quarterbacks just looking to run the football, a design run just for a quarterback. So, of course, Lamar Jackson is one on this list because they design runs just for him. So why not? I mean, why not act as a running back as a quarterback? Two, Kyler Murray, same thing. Josh Allen, same thing. Cam Newton, more back in the day than right now. Taysom Hill, that's all he is in there for is really design runs at quarterback, even though now we are seeing him evolve and to an actual quarterback. Six, Jalen Hurts. Seven, Deshaun Watson. Eight, Daniel Jones. Nine, Dak Prescott. Ten, Trey Lance. Now, the last list is second reaction ability. Now, this is the reaction that leads to a lot of highlights in the NFL where, you know, coming there's pressure off the edge, maybe shifting a little bit to the bit, uh, throw on a run, things like that, where you have to shift your arm angle and do different things. One is Patrick Mahomes, and I agree. His second reaction ability is the best in the NFL right now, where he can make impromptu throws like nobody's business. The no-look passes as well when he sees a defender coming or just throwing off a defender with that is amazing. Aaron Rodgers as well, he has the ability uh, to do the same thing when it breaks down, escape a defensive end edge rusher, and then make a precise pass to an open wide receiver. Russell Wilson, again, same thing at three. Josh Allen to a lesser degree at four. Deshaun Watson at five. Lamar Jackson at six. I do agree he has a good second reaction ability, but that reaction is to just run the football. It isn't to then uh, make craziest throws down the field like we see the ones ahead of him do, or even Kyler Murray or Matthew Stafford, who are still on this list. So that's my reaction uh, to the uh, list of the 12 skills for a quarterback and my reaction to all of those. Now moving on uh, from football uh, just uh, one minor note in the NBA is the Milwaukee Bucks extended coach Mike Budenholzer uh, with a three-year extension that will now tie into the Bucks through the 2024-2025 season. Uh, two-time NBA coach of the year, just won the championship. With the Bucks, after being with the Hawks, uh, was decent with the Hawks. And to me, 
I don't think, you know, we saw some of the footage from Mike Budenholzer and this team is to me, he does not, you know, seem like the motivational guy uh, giving a great halftime speech or anything uh, like that. He's more on the sidelines and, you know, it's good for him because when you have a great player in Giannis and other good players in Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday, you don't have to do a lot of coaching. So I don't think Mike Budenholzer is a great coach that, you know, is a Phil Jackson as or a Pat Riley or Eric Spolstra even. Uh, I don't see Mike Budenholzer is that guy. And I think he'll ride his buck train with Giannis as long as he can. Then in the MLB, the Yankees are now on an 11-game winning streak, uh, best in the league. They've been playing a lot better lately, uh, you know, since the trade deadline. Uh, beat a quality team in the Braves uh, last night. You know, congrats to them for doing this, uh, even with a shaky bullpen. Uh, but the bats are starting to slowly come alive. Giancarlo Stanton is playing really well. Gary Sanchez is contributing. Uh, and Aaron Judge is still the rock for this team. So that's good for them. That they keep on winning because all good things will soon come to an end. Then today, Yankees have today off. So no threat to the streak today. But you do have some other games. Uh, that matter around the league. White Sox and Blue Jays. Blue Jays slowly slipping out of a playoff race uh, when it looked like they were primed to make a run. Uh, they are on a losing streak. Tampa Bay Rays and the Philadelphia Phillies. Again, Tampa Bay Rays beat the Phillies last night. Phillies need to win to catch up to the Atlanta Braves. Well, the Tampa Bay Rays want to win to uh, push the Yankees farther back. Giants and Mets. Mets need to win to again catch the Braves who are now look like they are lost in this division. But the Giants need to win uh, to keep pace with the Dodgers and keep them farther back and keep their lead further up. But then the big game on tonight, again, ESPN Baseball is the Los Angeles Dodgers and the San Diego Padres. Walker Bueller, one of the best pitchers pitching right now this year is getting on the mound for the Dodgers and then Blake Snell for the San Diego Padres. Padres need to win this game much more than the Dodgers. Dodgers, of course, want to win to catch the Giants. But the Dodger, or the Padres are in the outside uh, looking in. In the uh, playoffs now, they're now one game back to the second wild card spot. They've lost 16 of their past 26 games. It's not been looking good for the Dodgers. Uh, when Fernando Tatis uh, doesn't play well, this team doesn't play well. Uh, so he's in a little, you know, much of actually just not hitting home runs, even though his batting average is fine. His slugging OPS is all very good and is on par with his MVP season before it was the All-Star break. But when he's not mashing home runs, uh, this team lulls on offense. Manny Machado, little dinged up yesterday as well. But the San Diego Padres need to get back on the winning train if they expect to make the playoffs this year. That's it, folks. That's it for today. I'll talk to you guys later. Again, 
all those 12 skills, who would you then rank accordingly with all those metrics? Is it right that Trevor Lawrence should start? And same with Andy Dalton. What are your thoughts? I'll talk to you guys soon. Bye, everybody.